Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Life's so full-on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Alex Chapman with us this morning uh, from News Hub and uh, Hamish Bidwell, um, a very, very well-known sports writer, has been for quite some time around the country on a number of issues, does some great opinion pieces as well. Uh, Hamish uh, Bidwell, uh, can I start with you this morning? Uh, A week or so ago, it was all about... uh, Brendan McCullum heading across to coach England, of course. Now uh, we find out Daniel Vittori is going to Australia. It's slightly more under the radar, or is it not for you? I'm not hearing uh, Hamish in my headphones, so perhaps we'll try to get Hamish back again um, on the line, um, re-get Hamish there on that issue. Alex, uh, Alex, good morning to you as well. Uh, would you have um, an opinion on Dan Vittori going to Australia? Does that hurt as much as uh, uh, Brennan McCullum going to England? Yeah, morning, Smithy. Uh, to be honest, I, I have no pain with either. I think both are fantastic decisions by two great cricketing minds, and uh, the, the advantage that Vittori has, probably a bit more so than, than Brendan does, is uh, it lays probably quite an, a handy platform to be able to go in, learn a different system, understand some different players, and then who knows what's going to happen with Gary Stead back here post next year's World Cup. So it could time out quite nicely for for Daniel Vittori. At, at the end of the day, those two jobs, the England job and being involved in the Australian system, yes, it's, and it's as an assistant coach, but a head coach as well, um, are probably two of the biggest, what would you say, four, maybe five jobs in the world, chucking a couple of IPL roles as well, uh, and, and the Indian jobs. So good on Danny Vittori for going in there and, and having a crack. I have no um, ill will towards him at all. And that doesn't matter, Alex, either uh, in terms of the result. doesn't worry you either if England were to get up and knock us over or uh, Vittori was given great praise for his strategies against New Zealand. Would that worry you? Uh, no, I don't think so. At the end of the day, you're just going to play each ball, don't you? And and that's very cliche, I know. But at the end of the day, it, it is cricket. You have to be able to go out and just do what you can, regardless of who is coaching the team, rather than who is strategizing against your team. You just need to outthink them. So, no, no, no blemishes whatsoever, as far as I'm concerned. Good on them. Okay, Hamish Bidwell, hopefully we've got you this time round. Hamish, uh, your thoughts on uh, Vittori going to Australia, is that is that a big deal? I think it's a big deal for us, yeah. I think um, we need to start getting smarter about how we do it. We can't lose our best, brightest cricketing minds to other nations, to other franchises. We, I think we need to split up the coaching and we think we need to spend some money on it to get our elite 
guys like Fleming, Bond, McCallum, Vittori wanting to be involved with New Zealand. Um, I don't see a lot of good coaching at development levels in New Zealand. I see a lot of well-bowled good, uh, well good shock sort of coaches who throw a lot of balls and keep guys happy and don't rock any boats. But I, I don't think we have the player pool to rest on our laurels as far as coaching goes. And I think it's actually disappointing that we're losing guys like that to other nations. Um, you know, I just think we need to be smarter. We have innovated in terms of uh, terms of playing, the way we played the game, but we don't seem to be moving at all as far as coaching is concerned. Um, you know, I, 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 I have grave fears. You know, aside from qualifying South Africans to play for New Zealand, I don't know what their development strategies are. You know, the, the Black Caps themselves have been quite player-led in recent years, and that's worked well, but that group of players, starting with Taylor, and there'll be a few others that follow, are going to leave, and we don't actually have a lot left behind, and so coaching is going to be critical and we're losing our best minds elsewhere. Uh, Hamish, is it just coincidental or maybe the age time of things, but all those guys came basically from the same team. We're talking about there, Bond, Fleming, Batori, McCullum, all played together. They did, and they had guys like Steve Rickson and John Bracewell coach them, guys who weren't just uh, guys who kept people happy, but guys who actually challenged them, brought in different ideas, made things hard standards and I, I just don't see that I think the Black Caps are a really comfortable team they remind me of a club team in, in many ways with the cool guys rule and uh, and you're able to sort of do what you like um, you know, I, I, I'd like to see a big shake up there. I don't, I don't want to be too critical of Gary Stead but I just think New Zealand cricket have to be doing better here. Haven't heard anything um, uh, about the, the, the White Ferns coach Hamish yet uh, we've got a Commonwealth Games in around about 60 days, 63 days uh, we're taking part in in Birmingham. I have not seen a peep uh, about the White Ferns basically since the World Cup. No, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the, the coaches at the first class level or in the, the lower tiers of the New Zealand system. I just don't see any um, really exciting or credible candidates. Um, I, I actually, yeah, I, I'd be, if I were New Zealand cricket, I'd be moving heaven and earth too late now for guys like McCullum and Vittori, but they need to get some of that expertise, some of our elite coaches involved because we're not good enough just to, to go along as we are. Okay, Amish Bidwell and Alex Chapman with us uh, this morning on the panel. Take a short break for Araha's uh, 10.30 update and then we'll be back with uh, two or three other issues. It is uh, coming up to 10.30. Opinions, the panel. Hamish Bidwell with us this morning, as is uh, Alex Chapman. Uh, Alex, uh, another punishment dished out uh, from the uh, rugby judiciary, this time to Sam Gilbert for five weeks. Could have been longer. What did you make of that? Oh, it's probably about right when you look at the precedent that has been set throughout the season in terms of uh, how long players are getting banned for, regardless of intent or severity. I, I actually thought... The social media reaction and blow-up to it was probably the biggest that I've seen so far this season. Um, I saw one tweet, might have actually been from my colleague at New South Wales, Richie, saying Sam Gilbert needs to get in the bin and stay there after that sort of tackle. So it, it wasn't great, was it? It was pretty disgraceful. And at the end of the day, this is how rugby is clamping down on things. Anything dangerous, particularly around the head, you're going for a long time off the field. Hey, Mish, do you scratch your head? You watch a lot of sport. Do you scratch your head at, uh, at this week after week? I'll tell you why I scratch my head. I was at a 12th grade rugby match on Saturday. My lad was playing for school Hereworth, and one of the beer lads, the Hereworth boys, was speared just like that, and it was just a penalty. Um, 
and we're lucky with television. We have um, replays, <clears throat> we have TMOs. We're able to look at things and and, and make a, a sound judgment, which is a red card. But at schoolboy level, at club level, at grassroots level, there isn't that luxury. And referees are gun shy to send people off. Um, there's a lot of agitated, uh, very emotionally involved parents on the sidelines, and they don't want to send kids off for foul play. But the, the tackle I saw on the weekend was absolutely hideous. If my wife had been there, my son dead set would never have stepped on a rugby field again. You know, and the boy from my son's team was in tears. Um, they tried to be really staunch at that age, but he couldn't help it. He got a hell of a fright landing on his head. Aside from being hurt, he was terrified. And, you know, the opposition player was sort of growling and huffing and puffing and his mates are high-fiving him, and that's cool. But if we're going to clamp down at super level, as we should, at test level, as we should, it's gotta, we've got to give referees at grassroots level the confidence and the authority to do the same at that level because the same tackles are being repeated down there as well. Is that an official referee or a coach refereeing or a parent? That's a, that's a, that's a coach referee. Okay, so, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you um, in that regard. I mean, you don't often well, we see it. We want people to play the game, don't we? At a participation level, people are being hurt or are frightened. How are we going to keep numbers up? How are we going to have a game? You know, the community game is the basis for the professional game. And if, if people are worried about children being concussed or hurt, they're not going to play rugby. And we, by oath, we need them to play because that's where we get our next generation of talent from. Well, Hamish, your, your boy goes, as you say, to Heroith, which is, sporting-wise in particular, is a very organised school in terms of participation and insistent that the boys get some healthy activity as such. That's not always the case around other schools in Hawke's Bay. Um, uh, what are you finding at schoolboy participation in rugby? Uh, it's, it's a real mixture. He's, he's playing an open grade, so there's um, some big units out there. The clubs are not as organised, so he plays for a school, as, as you know, and you've probably had children go through there... Um, but they play against club teams and they're slightly less organised and slightly less resourced than Heroworth. Um, there's some outstanding athletes out there, but there are some kids who barely need help and they are probably playing under sufferance a little bit. And there are clubs that, that you know, are really doing it hand-to-mouth um, to try and just put boots on people's feet by the looks of things. Um, yeah, Heroworth are lucky, but, but uh, they're an exception, I would have thought. Okay, uh, Alex, uh, we saw another super game last night. In fact, there was a dangerous tackle in that that went uh, only as far as a sin, but I think it could have perhaps gone for a wee bit more with Richard Kahui on the receiving end. Uh, but at uh, second last game, uh, that was for uh, Moana Pacifica. If I ask you for a report card, Alex, going into the competition, bearing in mind all the things I've had to put up with, plus uh, a late chance to organise and recruit players, uh, w- w- what would your report card say? Um... <laughs> tried, put in good effort, failed to execute when necessary. And that has just plagued Moana Pacifica all season. And Aaron Major, their coach, has mentioned that throughout the season as well in post-match press conferences is that just those little moments keep costing them, whether it's a lapse on defence or a silly mistake which results in a turnover and then the opposition team going down the other end of the field. Uh, whether it's a handling error inside their own 22, which results in a try being scored off the scrum. It's just those very, very little things. And 100%, they have had by far a harder season than anyone else. They had to, first of all, had a delayed start in terms of going into camp. I think they only had a couple of weeks together before they actually uh, went down to Queenstown. Then, obviously, a lot of their players and staff got COVID, so they missed a few games, and they're still having to make them up now. So, in terms of an overall grade, probably a C, C plus. 
Um, they they pass, but okay. it's, it's by no means been exceptional, and I've probably been a little bit disappointed by them, if anything. Okay, Hamish, what about you? And perhaps you can throw Drewer and Fiji and Drewer into the mix there as well, Hamish. Yeah, I, I give them a seven out of ten. Uh, I think they're um, they're not competing on a level playing field in terms of talent. You watched one of Pacifica last night. It's a very direct game. It's a very basic game. It relies a lot on effort. Um, you know, you put guys with some craft in there from the other teams, like uh, like Kahui Lavatim last night, like Kahui and Thrush, and you have a different team. Guys with experienced guys who know how to prepare to be professional rugby players, guys who can help keep teams honest to a game plan, guys who can help um, make sure, put high standards on their on their teammates, they'd be a different team. So I think in terms of what they've got and the position they were put in, I think both teams have done remarkably well. Hamish, should the Blues rest their players? I mean, they're guaranteed top. They've got a trip to, uh, I think it's Leichhardt Oval this weekend. Uh, if you're Leon McDonald, what are you thinking in terms of your, your players? Oh, if I'm Leon Mac, I'm, I'm resting everyone I can, but if I'm a punter, as I am, uh, rugby needs good players sitting games out like a hole in the head. You know, we, we have enough of that as it is with prescribed rest weeks and, and sabbaticals and all the, the rest of it. No, I, I'd like to see the best players out there as often as I can. I find it hellishly disappointing when I turn on a game and I see that four or five of the better players aren't out there. It's, um, it demeans the product, it demeans the competition, and it disillusions stands, unfortunately. Alex, uh, what do you think is going to happen there? Uh, I think it would probably demean the product a bit more by not having Bowden Barrett in the playoffs if he was to get injured this week, for example, and then you don't have him for the entire playoffs rather than a, a game against the Waratahs, which yeah means something for the hosts but means nothing for the Blues going forward. Interestingly, unlike the Crusaders who stayed in Australia for their entire three-week road trip, the Blues have come back this week. Um, from what I understand, it's because Leon McDonald likes having full team contact training, so 15 v 15, for example, and having been to a few Blues trainings this season, it, it is high intensity. But it's handy as well that he doesn't have to take a 27-man squad, I think it would have been, to Australia for two weeks and has this luxury now of being able to say to someone like a Bowden Barrett or a Dalton Papali'i or a Roger Tuivasa-Shek, Hey, just stay home for the week. Just spend some time with your family. Just rest yourself. It's going to be three very busy, hectic, high-intensity weeks. Just stay and enjoy. And I think if we didn't have this farcical top eight in Super Rugby, we had a a top six instead in terms of the top two would get the bye for the first round of the playoffs. We wouldn't have as much of an issue heading into this week in terms of resting players because the Blues, for example, having finished top, would have had a week off anyway. That has been an interesting point, actually, Hamish, but well, and I've heard a lot of comment about this. Uh, a team where the playoffs are top-heavy um, compared to the number of teams in the actual uh, competition as such. Uh, so making the top eight, and uh, you, you, you feel kind of stiff if you're in the bottom four, but, man, you can squeeze in with a pretty average record a la the Highlanders. It's uh, shades of everyone gets a prize. Uh, there's no winners or losers. Let's not even keep the score as we've had in some sort of junior sport. And I'm, I'm totally against it. It's not a participatory competition. It's an elite competition, and you should make making the playoffs an elite achievement. Right. OK, let's uh, turn our attention to the other hot topic we get on the station, which, of course, is the Warriors. Um, and it just goes, Hamish, uh, week by week, you just wait for the next chapter to be written, to be fair. Um, I mean, you could do a uh, you could do a, a, a movie. It wouldn't be a very good one. Uh, a movie on this Warriors team this season alone. 
Yeah, um, they're a bit of an irrelevance, aren't they? They're, they're poorly run, they're poorly coached. It doesn't matter who's in the team this week. Well, it does matter because there's no Matt Lodge and there's no Adam Fanua Blake, and I can't see them, you know, achieving much. But luckily, it's such a mediocre competition. You know, we talk about expansion. Hell's teeth, there's only talent for 12 or 14 good teams in the NRL. I'm afraid there's too many, like the Warriors, that are making up the numbers, and like the Knights that are playing this weekend. So they'll have a chance of beating the Knights because they're a similarly poor team. But it's not a great advertisement for sport. It's, you know, it's not the competition that I grew up watching. Uh, I felt that it was a fierce competition every week where you didn't know who was going to win. And I just think, you know, this time you can predict most results because there's so many bad teams. Alex Chapman, I've got a feeling, um, as Hamish has pointed out, they're playing the Newcastle Knights this weekend. If they don't win this, um, that could be the end of the penny section all round because they've got some uh, pretty tough games coming up. And it's a real shame as well because that return home is just on the horizon. And they, look, regardless of where they sit on the table, they'll probably get a packed out Mount Smart. But you want them to be heading back home or coming back home on a high, pushing towards the playoffs, playing really fun, attractive footy so that when they do play at home, everyone's getting amongst it because of how the team's playing or because of their results, not just because the team is finally coming home after two years away. So it's disappointing. I I think the season potentially is already over for the Warriors with how they're playing, never mind the results. It's, It's a lack of intent at times. And how often have we had that discussion on a, on a Monday or a Sunday after a Warriors game that it looked like half of the guys just gave up. And it's it's really disappointing because I, I love when the Warriors are playing well. And I think regardless of their results, social media is rife with, um, or not rife, it's a negative connotation, filled with thoughts and passion and feeling whenever the Warriors do anything. They could have a glass of water and someone would have a take about it. But they need to, at the end of the day, be winning. And not making the playoffs again would be a massive disappointment, I think. Hamish Bidwell, thank you very much for your participation this morning. Alex Chapman, before I let you go, um, I'm amazed at your sporting, the depth of your sporting knowledge because uh, is anything apart from trackside ever on in your television where you're living? <laughs> Just to explain to the listeners, because apparently this needs to become public, I live with Louis Herman Watt, so uh, and have done for a very you long time. You flat with him. You so. flat. You flat with you. You flat with him. Let's get this right. You flat with him. <laughs> Louis is a great person. Um, I love him dearly, but yes, trackside is often on in our home. But hey, if it means I'm winning money, Smitty, then I'm not going to be complaining, am I? And <laughs> thankfully, we we were working at different times of the day as well, so I don't always have to be there. <laughs> yeah, get in quick while he's not there. Good on you, Alex. Thanks very much for your participation this morning. And to you, Hamish, of course. We'll have another panel at the same time tomorrow morning. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.